This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Flourish at Home Show. Your host, Mary Jo Tate, is an international book editor, the homeschooling mom of four boys, and the author of Flourish, Balance for Homeschool Moms. Mary Jo loves to help moms find peace, order, and balance by sharing practical tips, inspiration, and encouragement. Visit her website at flourishathome.com. And now, here's your host, Mary Jo Tate. Welcome to the Flourish at Home show. I'm Mary Jo Tate, and today's episode is about training your children. Many wonderful books about child training are available, and frankly, there's no way to cover the subject fully here. So I'm going to focus on four things to teach your children that contribute greatly to building a balanced life for the whole family. Responsibility, independence, initiative, and service. First, teach your children responsibility. Having real responsibilities helps children build confidence, character, and a biblical self-image. Making a meaningful contribution to the work of the family can bring great satisfaction. One of my favorite examples of how this works is my oldest son, Forrest, paying bills when he was six years old. At the time, we lived in a little three-stoplight town about two blocks from an old-fashioned courthouse square. When we went for a one-mile walk, we could visit the library, pay the electric bill, stop by the bank, and go to the post office. The first time Forrest went into each place, I went with him, introduced him to the clerks, and explained that we were homeschooling so they wouldn't wonder why this little kid was wandering in alone during school hours. After that, I would wait on the sidewalk with Andrew and Perry in the stroller while Forrest went inside alone to take care of business. When he would walk out of the electric company with a receipt or the post office with a book of stamps, the look what I did expression on his face was precious. He still remembers that time fondly. Now he's a college junior, living in his first apartment and taking full responsibility for every aspect of his life, and he was very well prepared to do so. Most parents assign chores to their children, but why not think bigger? You can gradually delegate the running of the entire household to your children. Now, this may require lowering your standards a bit, and initially it takes more work to teach them how to do the work than to do it yourself. But they will need to know these skills when they are adults, so you may as well teach them now. My own mom was a wonderful mother, but she was such a perfectionist that she never trusted me with the laundry. Finally, she gave me a crash course in laundry just before I started college. How much better it would have been for both of us if I had learned how to help her earlier. My sons who are still at home are currently 19, 18, and 14. They do all of the housework, all of the pet care, and all of the yard work. Each one takes care of his own laundry, and they do most of the cooking. I expect to have very grateful daughters-in-law someday. A few years ago, when they were in Florida with their grandparents and cousins for a week, I struggled to keep up with everything on my own, and I was vividly reminded of just how much they take care of. To outsource everything they do, I would need to hire a lawn care service, a janitor, a laundry service, a cook, a dishwasher, an errand runner, a pet sitter, an intellectual sparring partner, a political consultant, a motivational speaker, a historian, makers of gross noises, okay, so I wouldn't hire out burping contests, but hey, they're boys. I'd also need to hire a trash hauler, a computer technician, a firewood chopper, a book discussion group, 
a handyman, an office assistant, and a court jester. But there's no way anyone could ever replace their hugs. When my boys were younger, I assigned work to the youngest child who was capable of doing it so that I would avoid the common pitfall of piling everything on the oldest child just because he could do it all. I also rotated tasks so that the same person didn't get stuck with the same chore all the time. Now that my boys are older, they prefer to take responsibility for specific tasks so that it's always clear who should do what. For example, Andrew and Perry, my two middle sons, used to share responsibility for dishes and pet care. At first, they rotated so that whoever had the harder job in one department had the easier job in the other. On the day someone cleaned the litter box, for example, he put away clean dishes. On the day he washed dishes, he fed the cats. We later simplified this by assigning total kitchen duty and total pet duty on different days. Eventually, they chose to streamline things even further by assigning all pet care to Andrew and all kitchen duty to Perry. Now that Thomas is older, he's involved as well. In the handout for this episode, you'll find two sample chore charts to illustrate how I allocated housework among the boys at different stages of our family life. Remember, these are just examples. They're not necessarily a comprehensive list of what kids can do at a certain age. If you look at sample chore chart one, it's a simple spreadsheet from 2007 with a section for each child and a column for each day of the week. You'll notice that in addition to chores, the chart includes reminders for the boys to read their Bibles, do their schoolwork, exercise, and drink water. So it really includes all of their responsibilities, not just household chores. Sample Chore Chart 2 is an even simpler three-column Word document from 2012. Only three of the boys are included on that list because Forrest was in college. He was still living at home then, but since he was taking a full course load and working two part-time jobs, I excused him from most household duties except for dusting weekly and taking care of his own laundry. He also ran errands and helped drive his brothers to their various activities. This chart number two reflects that the boys were older, and it includes several outside activities such as scouts and sports. The as-needed category at the bottom of each column is a convenient place to list items that don't always fall on a specific day, such as mowing and laundry. Posting the chore chart in a public place, such as the refrigerator, helps eliminate arguments about whose turn it is to wash the dishes, mow the lawn, and so on. It allows mom not to have to repeat instructions and also to check at a glance and see what has been done. One of my rules for both chores and homeschool assignments is if it's not checked off, it didn't happen. Or, to be a little more accurate, if it's not checked off, it's not finished yet. For example, if your job is to wash dishes, that job is not finished until you have hung up the wet dish towel to dry and checked wash dishes off your list. If your job is to take care of laundry, that job is not finished until you have put all the laundry in its appropriate closets or drawers, returned the empty laundry basket to the bathroom, and checked laundry off your chore list. Children need to learn to cook as well as to do household chores. I trained my boys to be very self-sufficient so that they're capable of taking care of themselves whenever they need to. Once when I was going to be gone at supper time for a meeting, a friend asked me, what are your children going to have for supper while you're gone? I said, whatever they fix. The pantry is stocked, the freezer is stocked, and the refrigerator is stocked. They can cook their own supper. 
They often cook for themselves or for the whole family, even when I'm at home. I once walked in on 11-year-old Thomas instructing 19-year-old Forrest how to make a better omelet. That was fun. How much my boys helped me was made clear in a funny way eight years ago. In a move that I could only attribute to temporary insanity, I scheduled back-to-back birthday parties one Friday afternoon. Thomas's seventh birthday party was from 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock, and Perry's 11th birthday party was scheduled for 3 o'clock. I forgot that Forrest, Andrew, and Perry, my right-hand men, would still be in class at our homeschool co-op during Thomas's party. I had already sent the invitations, and everybody had already accepted, so I thought, surely I can handle six little boys for two hours on my own. Right. There weren't any serious problems, but it was stressful to run around and prevent potential disasters without any backup. It was challenging to keep all the boys in the same general area, upstairs or down, inside or out, because I couldn't be in two places at the same time to supervise their reenactment of every battle known to history using swords, nerf guns, lightsabers, and Civil War-style wooden muskets. It's a miracle nobody got hurt. I'm used to delegating crowd control and battle supervision to my lieutenants, but they were in logic class and music class. The moms picked up their kids around 3 o'clock, just as Perry's friends arrived for his party. The 11-year-old bunch was much more self-sufficient than the 6- and 7-year-olds, and Forrest and Andrew were home by then to help. I sat down to rest for a few minutes, and I actually dozed off sitting straight up on the couch, even though full-volume activity was going on all around me. When I regained consciousness and sanity, I was reminded of what a tremendous blessing my sons are. At that time, we had been on our own as a single-parent family for nearly six years. It's been 13 years now and they have become so responsible and independent. This is a huge contribution to my ability to work from home and continue homeschooling as a single mom. What Charlotte Mason says in her book Home Education is true. The mother who takes pains to endow her children with good habits secures for herself smooth and easy days, while she who lets their habits take care of themselves has a weary life of endless friction with the children. The second thing to teach your children is independence. As they grow older, teaching them to be independent is an extension of teaching them to be responsible. Just remember that if you have an infant or all younger children, you simply will not be able to accomplish the same things you will when your kids are older unless you have help. And that's okay. We all have different priorities in different seasons of life. You will have to be very hands-on at first as you train your children to accomplish a particular task. As they become competent at the task, you can turn it over to them more and more. Once they master it, they can tackle the chore independently. For example, if you're teaching a child how to wash dishes, begin by explaining while you demonstrate. Next, coach him step by step as he washes his first dish and then a whole sink full of dishes. Gradually shift to supervising quietly and answering questions. Finally, when your child has successfully washed the dishes several times without coaching or questions, he has mastered the task and should be able to do it without supervision or reminders. A chore chart can help keep him on track, but ultimately the chore should become a habit. If you're used to constantly reminding your kids and hovering over them, you may be uncomfortable with the idea of their independence. How can you make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do if you let them be independent? The solution is simple inspect what you expect. That's how you add accountability to independence. 
I have sometimes gone too long without inspecting, and I eventually discovered that not everything got done. Inspecting regularly, daily for younger children, keeps them from falling behind and holds them accountable. When my boys were younger, I learned that if their bedroom door remained closed for a long time, it usually meant there was a catastrophe inside, some mountainous combination of toys and laundry. The more responsible and independent your children become, the less supervision and inspection they should need. I didn't start teaching my oldest son to be independent when he was young because I didn't really think he could do anything. In my eyes, he was a helpless little child who needed his mommy to do everything for him. Over the years, as I had more children, I wised up a bit, and Forrest eventually earned the nickname Mr. Responsible. Older children can also help train younger children to do household tasks. When my youngest son was five, I walked into the kitchen and found him using the microwave. I would never have let my older children anywhere near the microwave when they were five. So I asked him, Thomas, what on earth are you doing? He replied, cooking waffles as if it were the most obvious and ordinary thing in the world. What do you mean you're cooking waffles? I asked. He looked at me in disbelief and said, Perry taught me how to use the microwave. The nine-year-old had taught the five-year-old how to microwave frozen waffles because he was tired of doing it for him. And now the five-year-old was perfectly capable of doing it himself. A few months later, I found Andrew, who was 11, teaching Perry how to use the dishwasher because he was tired of being the only one who knew how to run it. A third important thing to teach your children is how to take initiative. Taking initiative goes a step beyond being responsible and independent. It's noticing something that needs to be done that's not your normal responsibility and taking care of it yourself. Once, we made initiative the word of the week in our home. We talked frequently about taking initiative and doing things on your own initiative. For the next few months, the boys would come to me and excitedly report that they had done something on their own initiative, and I really praised that. The greatest efficiency is possible when you're not having to micromanage because your children are doing things on their own. Andrew is our Mr. Fix-It. He has always been intrigued by tools and how things work. He instinctively understands how things are put together, and he learns by following around every plumber, electrician, or repairman who comes to our house. When he was 12 years old, I noticed him walking around with a screwdriver, a tape measure, a marker, a flashlight, and a pocket knife. I asked what he was doing, and he replied matter-of-factly, fixing the bathroom doorknob. That's taking initiative. True confession. In our home, initiative doesn't always seem to apply to stray papers or random socks on the floor. We definitely haven't achieved perfection. But my boys have continued to act more and more on their own initiative as they've gotten older. After we had such initial success with the word initiative, I introduced the term alacrity, which means promptness in response or cheerful readiness. That's a great goal for all our children, to take care of things promptly and cheerfully and to be ready to meet their responsibilities. The fourth important thing to teach your children is service. Michael Card writes in The Homeschool Journey, When we turn our thoughts to homeschooling, to molding the hearts of our children, this vision of Jesus as servant provides the foundation for a biblical value system. What is more valuable, to be served or to serve? We need to teach our children not merely to do their assigned tasks, to check them off a list, but to work from a spirit of loving service. The words we use are important. One of my favorite phrases is, serve your brother. 
Instead of saying, will you take this to Forrest? I might say, will you serve your brother Forrest by taking this to him? Or I might ask, will you serve your brother Perry? He's not feeling well today, so would you take over his responsibility to wash the dishes? It's amazing what a different attitude that language inspires. It's not just, uh, more work for me to do, but it's the spiritual attitude of service and being a blessing to someone else. Try incorporating that language, serve your father, serve your mother, serve your sister, serve your brother, into your instructions to your children. Teach them to serve beyond the bounds of your own family as well. They can rake leaves for an elderly neighbor, help you prepare and deliver a meal to a family with a new baby, volunteer with you at a local food pantry, and so on. All of my boys have done many community service projects with their scout troop, and Forrest has participated in state and international mission trips. Remember, your own example of serving your family and others with a cheerful heart is a powerful model for your children. One of my readers, Eleanor Joyce from Pennsylvania, told me how implementing the principles I've shared here made a real difference in her family. She said, I've learned to do more delegating and to let things go. It's been great to see my daughters and husband do tasks their own way, often better than I used to do them. It's made a big difference since we work as a team. I'm learning that I am not the queen of the universe, and the weight of the entire household does not rest on my shoulders. I found her comment very reassuring. We're not the queen of the universe, and we don't bear the weight of the entire household on our own shoulders. Children can usually do a lot more than we think they can do. Of course, you need to be sure to keep safety in mind and make their duties age-appropriate. Then, set high expectations and watch them live up to them. So I have a question for you. How do you teach your children to be responsible and independent, to take initiative, and to serve others cheerfully? Please leave a comment and share your best tips with us. I'll see you next time on the Flourish at Home Show. Thanks for tuning in to the Flourish at Home Show. For more encouragement, visit Mary Jo at flourishathome.com. The Flourish at Home Show is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.